pray. Father, I just thank you right now, Lord, for this time. Father, I, I thank you for your word. Lord, I totally submit myself to you, Father God. Every word that's going to come out of my mouth, Father, it's not from me, but from you, Father. Lord, I, I will be sensitive to what you want me to speak, Father. Lord, whatever you want to feed us, Father. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you just show us what you want to speak for us today, Father. Lord, your word says that we can expose ourselves to you, Father, so you can continue to work in us and do a working in us, Father. Your word tells us that your word washes our mind, filters it, Father God, in a sense, and gives us a new mindset, Father. So, Lord, be personal with us today. Show us what you want to speak on today, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all shout out, amen. You guys ready? So we are in our part two, out of the three parts, the part two series called Seek First. Look at your neighbor say, Seek First. You know, and I really came up with this concept. It hit me one day uh, because I realized, man, we're entering into a season of prayer and fasting. You know, I'm encouraging the church, hey, let's seek God first. Let's give him the first of everything. And, and so this really came to me, and I said, okay, God, wh what does this look like? Where do you want it to go? Okay, I said, I, I, can, I can preach on this thing, but where do you want us to go and grow in a sense? What do you want us to know as we continue to get in this journey? And last week we simply talked about the very first thing we need to do to seek God first is to prepare our hearts. To prepare your heart. You know, and it's, it's funny that because we're like in this cultivating message right now that, you know, Jose was talking about earlier today too and what God was really showing me. But reality is our heart is compared to a, to a ground a lot in Scripture. Whether it's in Jesus' parables, whether it's in the Old Testament, our hearts are compared to like a field. You know, and there's junk that we can put into it or there's good seed we can put into it. It can be taken care of or it can be neglected. You know, last week I gave an illustration on my front yard, which, by the way, again, I told you, if you come by my house, don't look at it, okay? Because this year we decided not to do nothing with the front flower bed. And let me tell you something, weeds came up, the, the ground got super hard, things were dying out. But I, I had told you guys about three, two, three years ago, my wife just got on this mission to just dig deep, take every, every weed out, whether small or big. To turn that soil, to plant new flowers, to water, to grow. And then we did the toppings on it of the mulching. And that summer was phenomenal. And when a weed did pop up or sprout out this little, it was so easy just to pluck it out. Have you ever been in a position where you're in a, you're in a flower bed and you see that weed and it's right there and it's pretty grown and you just grab it and it's like not coming out? And then you, you two hands and you're doing, and then you need a tool to dig to, to pull that weed out, and that root, the root of that weed is so deep, I mean, and it, even the stem of it's so thick, because we just allowed it to be there, it grew that way. Did you know it started this small? Did you know that? That weed started this small, and it became that big. And times when we don't address uh, things in our heart through his word and through his spirit, it's like we have these little weeds that are not noticeable at times, but they start growing, and so they start taking root. And what becomes unforgiving becomes bitterness. Bitterness becomes more angry at people that don't even deserve for you to be angry at. And then becomes a, a personality and a character in your life. And then before you know it, you're labeled as a grumpy old man across the street. Like, that's just what happens 
when, when you get to that point because you allow the weeds to stay. We're not, we're not allowing to work, our, prepare our hearts. You know, we even showed scripture, I believe it was in Second Chronicles where it talked about because he didn't prepare his heart, he did evil before the Lord. But we also talked about many accounts where God said they prepared their hearts and they did good for the Lord. And so that really teaches us on the first thing we need to do to seek God is to prepare our hearts. But not only that, I'm going to add this on to that. Not only that, when you're doing so, keep checking your heart through his word. You know, like I said, every season goes by and we, could, we can till the ground and we can get one season ready and have a great summer. But how many of y'all know next season I have to do it again? Because it's not going to stay like that forever. i got to do it again. Continue to check it. Use the right tools. Use the right, uh, um, I, don't, I don't know, ingredients. I don't know, nutrients. Whatever you throw into the soil. you got to use that stuff. Water it continually. Maintenance it, in a sense. And we have to do that with our heart. And so last week we said, hey, prepare your heart so you can continue to seek God on this earth. And today I want to talk to you a little bit about Following Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, follow me. And then look at your other neighbor and say, not, not, not me, him. <laughs> you know, uh, in Matthew 6, really is like the anchor scripture of it all where uh, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. This is really the, the anchor of this whole series right now. But I really want to take you through a journey in scripture. Typically, I have these, you know, points I would give you one, two, three, A, B, C, and let's go conquer it. But last week, I was really just diving to his word. And I told God, even last night and this morning, I said, Lord, what I'm going to read, I want you to minister to them in a different way. What I'm trying to come across with, let it be so personal, it's like, whoa, I got a new revelation, a new insight. My wife's prayer this morning was, Lord, let there be new revelation. Because when you get a revelation from the Lord... It is so more impactful and life-changing. And so I'm going to take a journey with you. And it really is about when Jesus called his disciples to follow him. I mean, we all know a lot of the stories. We've probably seen cartoon characters on it. I mean, I know res kids, they teach about it. You know, youth, they teach about it. Nursery, they teach about following him. And you see where Jesus calls the 12. And if I can set the whole scenario up, this, by the way, is coming out of Luke 5. So write that in your notes because I'm going to encourage you to study that out later. We actually talked about it a couple of weeks ago. But still study that passage out later. Okay, because I won't read the whole thing. It's pretty long. But here's, here's the deal. So in Luke 5, Jesus does call his disciples. But before he calls his first disciples, he's actually teaching crowds of people. You see, understand that when Jesus started walking and doing his ministry, the word was spreading quickly about who this guy was. And his teachings were, again, what the scripture would say, uh, full of authority and power. He speaks with authority and with power. You know, if, I believe if Facebook was then at the there at the time, it would be everywhere. He'd be uh, viral if it was that time. That's how impactful he was being to the world and to the area that he was already in at that time. But here's the thing, Jesus is teaching the crowds, and it's getting to a point where they're getting too crowded. Ever been in a line and you're getting pushed? Or in a crowd and you're getting pushed? No, we're pushing you, Barney, because you're a Dallas Cowboy fan. No, I'm just joking, man. I'm joking. I had to throw that out there. But here's the thing, the, the, the crowd, he laughs at everything I say, that's why. He, here's the thing, here's the thing. 
because of the fact that there was so much going on in Jesus. The, the word was going around everywhere about him. The crowds were getting bigger. And so the Bible says in Luke 5 that he saw two boats, pretty much picked that one, which was Simon Peter's boat, told Simon Peter, the owner of the boat, hey, draw me out a little bit more. And we drew him out and was able to teach from a distance. By the way, that is the first platform that was ever created, in my opinion. That's what I think. He has now a platform. There's some boundary right there. But he's able now to teach effectively to the crowds of people. But not only that, when he does that, and it's all said and done, Peter and his fishermen are wrapping the day up. The night, by the way, okay? And they fished all night unsuccessfully, by the way. Any fishermen in the house? No, wow. Bruce, <laughs> I'm with you, man. I went, I went fishing one time with Bruce, and we sat out there for about three hours and got nothing. Nothing. And he was like, all right, we'll leave in about five minutes. And I'm like, man, nothing. And then we caught something. That was pretty cool. So we caught a king salmon, which was awesome. But that feeling of getting nothing, Peter and his, and his uh, uh, workers and all the guys that he was with, they had an unsuccessful night and caught nothing. And so when Jesus is done teaching, the Bible is saying that Peter and the guys, they're, they're, they're cleaning the nets. They're cleaning the nets. And they're practically done. They're probably folding it up by now. And Jesus tells them to do something. You guys know what that was? He says, let's go a little bit deeper. I'm paraphrasing. Let's go a little bit deeper. And I want you to cast the nets out again. And I love Peter's attitude because he does state the fact that, hey, you not realize we fished hard all night and got nothing. Not only that, I just got done cleaning. I just got done cleaning. And then he says this. But if you say so, Lord, I will. And to continue on that, that passage, he does so. And he catches more, an abundance of fish. So much, he had to get the other boats to get involved. And it said the boats started to sink. That's a good sinking, by the way, okay? Because of the fish that were on, there was so much of it. And so you see this whole scenario, and Peter's now being blessed because of obedience, of, of following what Jesus said. But check out his attitude right after that. This is where we're going to get in Scripture now. Check out Peter's attitude, what he says, okay? This is Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 8 through 11. And it says, when Simon Peter saw this, and that's all the fish that are on the boat, guys, he fell at Jesus' knees. Okay, he fell at his knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He said, go away from me, God. I'm a sinful man. I know there were times in prayer, uh, I, I would say it's more in the beginning of my walk with Jesus when I first came to Christ. God would bless me and I would feel so unworthy of that. I don't deserve that. And that mindset of I don't deserve this had to be broken because I am his child. And he wanted me to know that you are worth it. You know, a lot of times, and I get the heart behind it, a lot of times we'll say, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll think of Jesus on the cross, and, you know, he died for all of us even when we didn't deserve it. And I, in a sense, I get that, but reality is God loved you that much. He says you are well worth it. And we have to have that mindset. So Peter's in this uh, thing now where he's feeling unworthy. And by the way, this is really one of the first times Peter encounters Jesus. So he's heard of him, but now he's encountering him, and he's seeing miracle, a miracle happen before his eyes. Okay? Everyone say miracle. 
because we need to remember that later, okay? And so he's feeling unworthy of this miracle. Now, verse 9, it says, For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. Verse 10. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's, uh, Simon's partners. You see, his friends, his partners were being shocked by the blessing that Peter got. Continue on. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. What? You will fish for people. A man who just felt unworthy and said, I'm a sinful man, has now purpose, has now a calling, and has been told what you're going to do here on this earth now. Let's go to verse 11. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything. Okay? He left everything and followed him and followed him church i'm gonna encourage you read that passage but there is another book in the bible that has the same story different author different perspective same exact story and i'm gonna read one verse out of the verse i just read out of luke it's in matthew chapter 4 verse 19 because it's more detailed jesus said come follow me and i will send you out to fish for people that word, that phrase, follow me, was life-changing for Peter and his partners. Did you know when you decided to follow Jesus, it was life-changing for you too? It meant you had to drop your way of thinking, your way of acting, the way you're speaking, maybe the way you're walking to follow him. It's life-changing you know, and sometimes we can get caught up in trying to do it and perfect ourselves, but reality is this. He wants us to follow with him. You see, uh, my wife was reading this book the other day, and it was a great, great um, conversation we had. Because when you really go to the uh, original language of follow me and translate it back to the English language, reality is this. Jesus is saying, follow with me. Some of you guys might be saying, well, what, what's, what's the difference? Follow me, follow with me. That word with personalizes it. Let me, let me, let me draw it out, okay, because maybe some of us are not getting it right now. Okay, here, here. For me, when I thought of follow Jesus, I thought of a line, okay, and we're following him everywhere we go. I always saw it where Jesus and the 12 were walking, and Jesus was in right here, and everybody had to be in order, and better be in order, and keep walking, all right? And yeah, they had their intimate moments, don't get me wrong, you know, I knew that. But when you started thinking about, when I started thinking about follow with me, it's like, no, now, now we're together. There's something different. Now, yeah, Jesus was leading the disciples, but reality was he was doing it with them. Because Jesus only spoke and walked wherever the Father wanted him to go. And so when he says follow with me, he's showing them how to listen to the Father. And I thought that was so profound because here's the deal. When we walk this journey in life, he wants us not just to follow him, but he wants us to follow with him on this earth. So everyone with me right now, we see the calling of Jesus. We see what following him is about. Let's fast forward three years. Say fast forward. Everyone go. All right. Just want to make sure everyone's here. Okay. We're fast forwarding three years. We're going to Matthew chapter 26. Write that down. Because that is another passage I want to encourage you guys to study out later. Matthew chapter 26. Now this is right before the crucifixion. This is the end of the journey of Jesus' earthly life. 
And I'll start reading, starting in verse 31 all the way to 35. It says this. Then Jesus told them, the disciples, okay, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. You see, and what Jesus right here is referring to, guys, is an, a prophecy that was from the Old Testament. He's telling his disciples what's about to happen to him. That he's about to go to the cross. All right? And, and not only that, he's also telling them they have a decision to make. They're going to probably scatter, but they still have a decision. Now check this out. Verse 33, Peter replied. Again, going back to Peter. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, here it is, I will Never. I never will. That's what I meant. I never will. Look at your neighbor and say, I never will. Verse 34, truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night, Peter, okay, before the rooster crows, Peter, you will disown me. Other translations will say deny. You will deny me three times. I'm trying to draw something for all of us because here's the thing. We relate to Peter more than what we think. Peter's picked on in the Bible a lot about all his illustrations, all that he does. But we relate to Peter a whole lot here. Verse 35. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I will never. Everyone say, I will never. I will never disown you, or I will never deny you. And all the other disciples said the same thing, okay? I think it's so cool because I believe Peter, in that little flock of 12, was very influential because every time we read scriptures, the Bible would always say, and the other ones did too. <laughs> I think that's so cool. I really think that's so cool because he was getting ready for something in the book of Acts later, okay? Now, the reason why I read all this again, like I said, was because I believe we relate to Peter on earth today in moments of our lives. And he was a disciple, all right? Here's the question, by a show of hands, okay? How many, have, how many of us have ever said, God, I will never do it again? And then we did it again. Just curious. I'll raise my hand, I'll start it out, okay? Because I'm pretty sure this is about 100% hands going up. All right, one time in your life. Don't say, no, I never did that. Because we're going to talk about lying next week. No, I'm just playing. I'm <laughs> just joking. I'm joking. But seriously, think about that for a second. How many times have we been in prayer or maybe we're going through something and we said, God, I will never do that. And, and we fall into it and we do it. And then we say, God, okay, forgive me, but I, this time I will never, ever, ever, ever do it. And then we fall into it. You see, we relate more than we think. And so what the, the, whole, the whole purpose of this part is we need to understand who Christ is now, okay? We have a knowledge of, his, of Peter the disciple, but it's time to see how Peter reacted, or sorry, not Peter, how Jesus uh, acted towards Peter during this time. Let's continue on. All right, check, check out what Peter does. Now we're going to Matthew chapter 26, verse 69. This is where Jesus gets arrested. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard. And a servant girl, everyone say a servant girl, came up to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, is what she says. Verse 70. But he denied it. Everyone say, that's one. Okay. I don't know what you are talking about, 
he said. Verse 71. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl, say another one? Okay. Another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 72. And he denied it again with an oath and saying, I don't know the man. Everyone say that's two. The Bible just told us right now. He denied it on the second time with an oath. That's equal to, like, if we are given a testimony, uh, maybe in a courtroom or whatever, and they put the Bible out and they say, okay, would well, you tell the truth, the whole truth, not much truth, the help of God? And you say yes, and you agree to that. It's like he did that. He's putting, I, I, I promise, I don't know this. I, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. I don't know the guy. That's not good. That's not good. All right, where am I at? Verse 73. All right. After a little while... Those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you're the one, you're one of them. Your accent gives away. Let me tell you something. Peter's not having a good day. He says, surely you are the one, one of them. Your accent gives it away. And for some reason in my mind, I can hear him changing his accent to something else. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to get there. I was about to, but no. 74, then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them. He says, I don't know the blankety-blankety-blank man. The Bible said he's to the point where he's calling down curses and swearing. He doesn't know him. Say, that's three. You know, I'm not trying to relate us to Maybe our speech or how we, our, our, our talk is about Jesus. I'm not saying we deny him. But what I am saying is this. There's a point with Peter that he got to the lowest of lows. Jesus is about to do something. And when we see Jesus do something in Peter's life, we're going to realize, oh, he can work with me too. He can work with me too. Finishing that verse, it says, immediately a rooster crowed. Immediately, the moment he said those things, a rooster crowed. Verse 75. Then Peter remembered the word of Jesus that had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me or you will deny me three times. And he went outside weeping bitterly. Can you imagine? Again, I'm very visual. I, I always kind of put myself in their shoes. And trying to make it a real scenario in my mind. Can you imagine him, the part where he's weeping bitterly outside? Him running away knowing, I just denied Jesus when I told him I would die with him. I'm seeing die, him dying in front of me and I chose not to. And I denied him. And I ran away. Can you imagine that crow? Can you imagine that going in his head? As he's running away, remembering that? The reason why I bring that up is because how many times do we hear the rooster crow? We don't hear it. We hear it this way. You didn't do that for him yesterday, and you're a Christian. Or you didn't say, you, were, you weren't too kind for that person, and the Bible says you should do it this way. <laughs> and what happens is we become guilt. We feel, let me say, I don't want to say we become. We feel this guilt and this condemnation, and we, we don't know exactly how to act. And sometimes it just breaks our heart because we feel like we're not doing good for God. We are just not doing good for God. And let me tell you something. That is not your father in heaven. 
that is not your God. You see, Peter, he did run and weep bitterly, but here's the thing. Jesus still had a plan for him. Jesus still instilled some stuff in him that he's going to use anyways. You see, so many times we start out in our Christian walk or our, our, our walk with Jesus eagerly to follow him. We're eager. I'm ready. I remember I got so fired up when I first came to Jesus in 2005, that Sunday. I was ready to go Sunday again, invite all my family, my in-laws who were just my girlfriend's parents at the time. My in-laws told me on a Wednesday, we will go to church with you. And I said, okay, awesome. Sunday morning comes, it's like 9 in the morning, and they're still in bed. And I'm like, I thought you said you were going to go to church. And they said, well, and I remember they were in their pajamas. And by the way, if, if you're dating someone, don't ever do this, okay? I opened their room. I'm a boyfriend. I'm a boyfriend. I opened their, and I jumped on their bed while they were on it. And I said, you're going to church with me. You're going to church with me. Because I had so much passion to follow him. Now, they laughed at me. I didn't get in trouble. I got to marry their daughter. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> It was, it was rewarding. <laughs> but here, this is what, the reason why I say that is because I was so eager just to follow him, follow with him everywhere I go. But can I be honest with you? As time kept going on, I started wearing down. No, no, they didn't, they didn't, that doesn't state the fact that I wasn't saved and I don't love, I know, I, I love Jesus. God knew that. I wanted to serve Jesus, but I started fading away. Did you know in Matthew, let's go to Matthew 26, 58, because of what Peter just went through. Check what this one little verse says that we always overlook. It says, but Peter, okay, you got it up there? But Peter followed from a distance. Wait, 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 wait. Peter was just with the 12, but because that eagerness started leaving and he felt like, oh, I'm so distanced and far away. Now it says he followed, but he followed from a distance. My question to you, church, is this, and I bring all of this up is, is this. We love Jesus. I don't doubt that, okay? We are saved, heaven bound. But when we walk this earth, are we following close to him, with him, or are we following from a distance in a way to the point where little things in life blow us back and forth? If we are truly seeking God first in this season and in this series and as we continue to have 2019 and declare good things, are we following then from a distance or... Or, or, or near. Everyone catching it so far? You see, there's a difference between distant following and following close to Jesus. Distant following puts us back in our bad habits, in our old ways. Now, I didn't say, doesn't deny the fact that you still love Jesus, you're heavenly bound. But on earth, we start slipping back to our old ways and what we used to be. Maybe it's now a certain attitude. Maybe it's a, a certain way. Maybe it's certain people now I just started hanging out with. I love Jesus. And then we start excusing it. Well, I'm going to influence them. And we really don't. And it doesn't happen. And the reason why I can bring that up is because it shows us what Peter did the moment he fell into that. Let's go to John chapter 21. Jot those notes down, guys. I want you to study this out. Okay? John chapter 21. And it says this. Peter said this. I'm going out fishing. I'll stop it right there for a second. I'm going out to fish. Didn't Jesus call him out from being a fisherman and said, you're now fishers of people? And now that Jesus is gone, the crucifixion happened, and, and he's walking in this whole deal because he's been walking from a distance, he went back to his old habit, his old job, his occupation. 
And the reason why I bring that up is because we have this passion, but some time goes by because we're not following close. We start going back to an old pattern that we used to be in when God never wanted us there. He wanted growth. And reality is it's taking two steps backwards. I love you, Jesus, and I'll see you Sunday. Or I'll read my word and I do a devotion. I do my devotion every morning, but we don't realize that devotion is really a lifestyle, not just a morning. And so we miss the whole purpose of where God's at. And little by little, we drift. The word tells us we start drifting away from what he asked from us. Now check this out. Uh, again, verse 3. I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. I told you he was influential. He's very influential. All the disciples went with him. And it says this, so they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. What happened the night before he got called or that whole thing? What happened? Jesus said, hey, I want you to follow me. That night they caught nothing. So he goes back to his occupation. It never changed. He caught nothing. He's still not in that. But when he was with Jesus and he followed and obeyed and was close to Jesus, the blessings came. The fish came. Even Peter Again, went to bad habits and old ways. But did you know Jesus is about the redo button? I remember when I was a youth pastor, I had this series called the redo button. You know, I know we had, we're looking for the easy button, but this is a redo button. When I was a kid, I had a, a Nintendo. You guys remember Nintendos? Yeah, amen. <laughs> That's awesome. It was the original Nintendo system. And every time the game didn't work or I, I lost or I was about to lose, reset, it started all over. I'm, I used that thing. All the time. It was a, and it said reset, redo, right? And Jesus does that to Peter. Check this out. Let's continue. Verse 4. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. Remember, this is after the resurrection. Peter doesn't realize that he's, he's alive again, okay? Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them and the disciples. They're fishing, by the way, okay? And he says this, friends. Haven't you any fish? In other words, did you catch anything? <laughs> no. It was a hard night. I'm pretty, much, they, pretty sure they said that. No, they, they answered. He said in verse 6, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Who's ever had deja vu? I remember when I was in Bible school, they told me, uh, uh, an instructor, I don't know if it's true or not, but I kind of. I live by it. But they said, if you have deja vu, that just means you're at the right place at the right time. God's just showing you that. And I just thought that was pretty cool. But here's this thing. These disciples, they're having this repeat moment. Wait, wait, wait. But they just don't realize it's Jesus. Let's continue reading. All right. When they did, they were unable to haul the net. And because of a large number of fish, they caught something. Jesus is back in the picture now. Verse 7, then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which, by the way, that's John. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, that, say this, it's the Lord, he wrapped out his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. Okay? It says this in verse 8, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. For they were not far from shore. And about a hundred yards when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. I want that to sit in for a second. Jesus redid his miracle that he did first with Peter. He redid his miracle. Because it wasn't Peter's 
mess up, mistakes, or whatever, identify him as I'm a disciple and a child of God. Jesus is the same for yesterday, today, and forevermore. Jesus is faithful. Peter went through some hard stuff. But what Peter had to learn and do was follow near and not from a distance. Even when he was at a distance, Jesus still showed. You know, as I'm talking right now, there, there was one more distant moment between Peter and Jesus. And that was when he was on the shore and Peter was on the boat. And even though there was water before them, Peter didn't let it stop him from taking the distant position and swimming close to him. The Bible just told us that when Peter came back, there was fish and bread ready for him. He made a meal for him. I say that because of this. If we or if you feel like you're in a distant position with God, you love God, you, you, you're in your way, you do things, but you are really not a follower. You're at a distant position. God has given you an altar and he's calling you back. Hey, how's it going over there? How's your work life doing? How's your marriage doing? How's home? Because I've always been here, but I need you to follow near to me. And he's giving you an opportunity right now. Through these words, this is the power of God. This is not a Jesse thing. But through these words to say, this is your time to jump out of the position you're in at a distance. Swim to me here because I have a meal prepared for you. And it is my goodness and it's for wants us to be near. If we truly are wanting a good, successful year and a life, Jesus needs to be near, not far. Now, he is always close to us. Don't get me wrong. But when we walk this earth, we do have a decision to make. Will I put Jesus in every single decision of my life? And let me tell you something. It is a guaranteed win. Every single time. I know if I pulled a mic out and I gave everyone opportunity, they would have something good to say about Jesus doing something like that. And so here's the opportunity. Jesus said, it is finished. I've done it all. And if you can just trust in my name, rest in the fact that I made you righteous, not you. That I made you come to the Father, not yourself. That it was given to you. You will have a better understanding and you will desire, I do want to draw near to you. Don't let the feeling of feeling unworthy stop you from going close and drawing near to God. Don't let that happen because that is not the Father in heaven. Don't feel like, well, I have to have it perfect in my life. I got As soon as I, I, I fix myself up, then I'll start going and start plugging in and start getting with God. No. God wants you to come the way you are. He wants to meet you right where you're at. He's so good. He says, I'll come down where you're at, and I'll bring you up where I'm at. But the question is, will I choose to do so? Don't let life separate you from the walk that Jesus has with you. Now, I believe the reason why Jesus did uh, do the same miracle was because Peter did need a, a, a do-over. He needed a do-over. And again, that same offer that Peter got was to you. This is your second miracle that's about to happen. I want everyone to close your eyes for a second. Bow your head. Peter got his second miracle. If you're that person and you feel like, you know what? I have been a distant follower. I see it now. 
I didn't know it, but I see it now. This is your second miracle. God sees you in that boat far away, and he's yelling out to you, hey, how's it going out there? I'm still here. Want to follow with me? You follow with me. I have a meal ready for you. Now it's up to you to take a plunge and say yes. In other words, we call it recommit. We will call it that in, in this language today. We will say, hey, time to recommit your life to Christ. And so if that is you, you're like, I want to recommit and I want to not be a distant follower. I'm going to be a close follower of Jesus Christ. On the count of three, with all eyes closed, I want to shoot your hand. I want you to shoot your hand up. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up right now. That's amazing. That is amazing. You guys can all put your hand down. Now, I don't want to just leave it there. Maybe this was your first time. Maybe you got invited to church or you really never heard Jesus in such a relational way. Let me tell you this. The Bible tells us that if we put our trust in him, if we call on the name of Jesus, that he will save us. That if we repent, that word repent can kind of sound confusing, but it's just saying sorry for my ways, God, and what I've been doing, and turning away from it so I can do your way, God. If you would just repent in the name of Jesus and say, I am sorry. He said he is quick to forgive. That at that moment, that instant, you're forgiven. And that's called justification. But then there's the journey of walking with him. He wants you to grow, which is called sanctification. If that is you, and you're like, I want Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. This is my first time I'm coming to you, Jesus. On the count of three, shoot your hand up with all eyes closed. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up right now. God bless you. God bless you. You guys can put your hand down. God bless you. You guys can put your hand down. Many decisions in this room. Let me tell you something. This is not a coincidence that you're hearing this word. This was an appointment that God made with you. You just didn't know it. He knew the mindset and the ways that, and the thinking that you have. Maybe some, some hurts, some past hurts you had. Or maybe it felt like, you know what, I'm just, I, I don't know if I can do this. God knew that, so he's giving you some words personally so you can have it. And right now, we're going to take full control of our speech and our heart, and let's give it to God. It starts with surrender to him. We'll put, everyone put one hand over their heart say this together. Say, dear God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, I believe in you. I know you died for me, and I know you raised from the grave so I can have life. Lord, I'm sorry for everything I've committed against you. I ask you to spirit in my heart live in me forever and when things feel distant between me and you remind me to come near I love you Lord in Jesus name we pray and we all shout out amen and amen go ahead and give it up for those that made a decision Now, there were many hands that went up, okay? So I'm speaking. And maybe you didn't raise your hand and you wanted to. It's not too late. If you said that prayer and you meant it with your heart, God saw that. Now, here's the thing. If you, if you raise your hand, number one, we have.